Tree Talking Time is brought to you by Conkeys Outdoors. Get all your hound hunting needs at Conkeys.com. Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Welcome back to another episode of Tree Talking Time. It is Labor Day. It is down to the wire. This needs to be uploaded in an hour, but I've been busy. You know, just got home yesterday from Autumn Oaks, and that's where this episode was recorded. So, had a great time. About the next month is going to be all episodes that were recorded at Autumn Oaks. I just want to say thank you for everyone that came out, saw me at the booth. Really enjoyed meeting all of you. I had a great time. You know, I got to go out on a couple casts and just talking and meeting people and really enjoyed it. Just want to say thank you to all my sponsors for everything they did helping me get get out there and get set up. And so thank you to Conkeys, Bullcry, and W. And a big shout out to my dad. My dad doesn't listen to this podcast, but I just really want to say thank you to him because he's not a hunter. Going to something like this is not something he would ever do normally. And he came out and the sole reason was to help me. So I really do appreciate his help. Without him, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So thanks, Dad. And now on to this episode with Ray Conrad. Well, you prefaced that you want to talk about black dogs. And, yeah. um, you know, being I was raised hunting grade black and tan dogs. There okay. wasn't, wasn't no such thing much as registered dogs in my part of the country. Yeah. They bred coon dog to coon dog, and they came multicolored. Yep. You know, and we just tended to like the uh, black dogs better, and we hunted those. My dad had them. My granddad had them um, up until into the mid-'70s, I guess. And then registered walker dogs started coming in around us quite a bit, and I actually left the black and tan breed okay. for registered walker dogs, and I hunted really heavy yak and river bred walker dogs because mm-hmm. they're from down that way aren't oh they? yeah from uh jimmy meeks and kyle chase and uh aj wright some of the older guys that that brought the yak and river breed in they were basically sailor bred dogs if you've ever heard people talk about sailor bred mm-hmm. dogs that's what yak and river dogs were but anyway i found that the yak and river dogs were super well balanced mm-hmm. and i really liked that so i hunted those dogs for I don't know, 15 years, okay. 16 years, something like that. Good little and, stunt of time. Yeah, and I'm not going to talk about the sire of the dogs that put me over the edge, but I uh, I had two dogs out of a well, well-known Walker stud dog, big-time Walker stud dog that, that a lot of people think a lot of. And um, that's why I'm really not going to go there. Yeah, But this particular dog was bred to a nailer female, um, and Nocturnal Nailer was a heavy Yak and River bred dog. Okay. okay. And anyway, at eight months old, all the pups, there were like eight pups, all of them were running treeing. You could catch coons with just about every pup. I thought, I got to have some of them. Mm-hmm. So I bought two. Um, the I had a male and a female. The male dog, the more I hunted him, the tighter mouth he got. He just... He quit opening on the ground. And then he would tree about every 100 yards, whether he needed to or not. I mean, it it, it got to where 
honest to God, I felt like I need to carry a bottle of Pepto-Bismol with me because when he would locate and load up on a tree, I would feel sick to my stomach. Because yeah. I, and I hated him because of that. So he didn't live to be a very old age. And um, then the female I had, she was much more accurate, opened on the ground, but she was a very radical tree dog. Okay. She would um, run the tree and grab a limb and uh, growl while she had a hold of the limb. Eyes popped out and red. She was just very radical. And I had her there, and I kept thinking to myself, I said, you know, there's no way for this female not to get mean. So anyway, what ended up happening, a well-known guy wanted to buy her from me. And I told him, I said, man, you don't want this dog. This dog's going <laughs> to get mean. She's not shown it yet, but there's no way. Yeah. She's got to get mean. I want her. Well, he bought her, called me back about six months later, and she had just about gutted his old female Ooh. and killed her. And uh, so anyway, she didn't live to be very old either. Yeah. And um, after that experience that I had there, I said, you know what? I'm going to go back to what I know. So I went back to hunting black and tan dogs, and I guess the first one I had after that was, um, I guess it was direct out of Ace, set him up Ace, okay. which is probably the most prolific black and tan, you know, stud dog. Most everybody's heard of set him up Ace. Yeah. You know, his dad was Super Sting, LaFoon Super Sting, another big dog, and there's actually semen out of him that, that some pups are coming out of nowadays. But... Uh, Set him up ace was was a well-known dog and and through a lot of good dogs people particularly seemed to like the females mm -hmm. better and they reproduced well if nice. they were crossed well on something so i started hunting them and i was i was hunting some of them and all once in a while i'd run across a decent walker dog i'd hunt and i just kind of had a little bit of both and then a good friend of mine uh, and i don't mind telling you his name his name's kenneth tavares out of uh, south carolina um, he and I got to be friends probably, oh God, probably close to 30 years ago now, 25, 30 years ago. And he had a, a young male dog that was out of his grand night female and, uh, and a dog named Bad to the Bones Kane that was being bred a lot right around 2000 to 2005 mm -hmm. area. And, uh, anyway, so... I ended up buying a young dog from him, and I hunted him 30 days, and I think he was about 18 months old, and I made him grand before he was, you know, just slightly over two years old. I had made him grand. He was a super nice dog. And then I bought one of his litter mates from Kenneth, and uh, I had an old grand night female that Kenneth wanted, so we worked a little deal, and I paid a little boot, and I got the litter mate and ran him through to dual grand. Nice. And then, uh, so I had the two of them for a long time and really liked those. And then Kenneth, later on, you know, we just got to be such good friends. He uh, called me one time and he had a dog named Super Stud that was either the same mom, but a different dad out of a, a male dog, Grand Knight male dog named Black Patch that was out of Kane. And uh, Kenneth said, Ray, I got aggravated with this dog. Come take this dog, keep him. He's yours. <laughs> So I took him and made him grand, wow. and then uh, when he got a little bit older, I let Kenneth have him back, and Kenneth raised some pups and stuff out of him, and 
Kenneth and I have grown to be great friends over the years. We just, matter of fact, uh, just last year, uh, I let Kenneth have a, a grand night female that's as good as anybody's got that, that he's been hunting down there now. And an older dog. Yeah. Probably try to raise some pups. Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of my story about getting in and out of black and tan, <laughs> how I went with it. And then kind of a, a caveat of that is when I, I – and I'm going to guess, and, and, and I'm having to guess, but I'm going to say around 07, 06, 07, somewhere in there, uh, maybe 08, I was invited to uh, run – to be a board member on the Black and Tan mm-hmm. Association, yep. and uh, which was a very, I considered to be a huge honor yeah. to be able. The Black and Tan Association is a little different in that it's, um, it's very professionally done. So I'm not a Black and Tan man, but I come to Black and Tan Days this year, and I will tell you, Black and Tan Association is top freaking notch. Yeah, we, uh, we tend to run things up you know, extremely professional mm-hmm. to try to make it as clear cut as it can be. We have clear cut rules, regulations, a constitution, policies and procedures. Um, like for president, you can only be president two years. You can only be vice president two years okay. at a time before you mm-hmm. have to go out. Uh, board members, uh, we elect three a year, which normally means that, um, we have a third of the board turning over yeah. each year. Um, generally, I mean, we have had, you know, times when this didn't happen, but most of the time you'll find that the guys that end up being in the major offices on the executive board, they are, you know, you might well say groomed is what happens mm-hmm. to you. You come in as a board member, you work your way up. And, yeah. But anyway, I got asked to be a board member and, I'll never forget this kind of a funny story. Philip Heron, and everybody that's a black and tan man knows who Philip Heron is. He mm-hmm. walks around with a pair of overalls on, and he's kind of hunched back just a little bit and uh, wears a little black hat, you know, and big cigar. He's kind of graduated from the cigar, though. He was chewing a piece of wood last time <laughs> I saw him. But Philip came to my booth, and Phil, I knew Philip, but we weren't super close friends, and now I consider him one of my very best friends, but Philip sat down and asked me, he said, Ray, he said, uh, I really want to support you for running for the board, but I got a question I want to ask you. I said, well, go ahead. I'll be glad to answer whatever. He said, well, what I don't want to happen is you to use the Black and Tan Association to better your business. Yeah. And I said, well, Philip, you know, I never... I never really thought about that. I said, but the truth of my idea is I would like to use my business to better the Black and Tan Association. Yeah. Let's turn that around mm-hmm. if we can. And I, I feel like over the years that's what I've done. I'd and, say so. Yeah, it's worked out well for me. But Philip did that and um, and got me in. I got on the board, and I spent a couple years on the board and did the yearbook a couple times Uh me and a, another guy, Lovis Burns, a good friend of mine, he, he was mainly the yearbook guy, and I was just helping a little. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I got in as vice president, and then as president. And, um, you know, there's no greater feeling in the world 
than when you show up in an event and you got close friends. Oh yeah, all over, mm-hmm. all over. And I got close friends in all breeds, but you know the black and tan breed is near and dear. Oh, I bet to my heart. And you know, you had asked a little bit about, you know, what black and tans are, where they where they came from, and um, I'm just gonna punch a little something out there that that's kind of been talking about me and another guy named Chad Smith, who is a good friend of mine, we've been pushing an idea for a while of doing a podcast on yeah. some of these uh, black and tan, our stalwarts, you might call. They've been mm-hmm. around for a long time, and we want to immortalize their thoughts and yeah, things before, before they get so old that they can or they're not here and mm-hmm. and all that. But, you know, we just got so many out there. Um, you know, I can name a, a bunch of them, and I'd probably forget somebody, but – you know, Carl Meinhart comes to mind. Tam Young comes to mind. Uh, you know, uh, it's just all kind of people oh, yeah. that that we need to interview and, and get them, you know, put away forever. No, I completely the, agree. That's actually kind of what pushed me into this. I had some friends that, you know, just some old timers, and I'm like, man, you tell some great stories, you know, all this history. I'm like, that needs to be recorded. Oh, absolutely. So that was kind of one of the things that pushed me into this. Because it's like, they're, you know, in their defense, it's just they're local legends, but they're not big name players of anything. And so that's what I was like. Most other people aren't going to know who you are. So, Well, you know, the podcast thing, although, you know, it's been going on for a long time nationally, you yeah. know, but in the Coonhound world, it's still relatively in its infancy i think you know just in the last maybe what five years yep you so. started seeing podcasts pop up and oh, there's there's gonna be a bunch of them here today yeah and there's some good ones i've been interviewed on two or three of them you know and um i find it to be a, a very intriguing thing yeah to uh to be on these things because it does it 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 takes what you think and puts it out there forever exactly and uh and that's really cool mm-hmm. that's really really cool but you know the the black and tan thing you know a couple other things that i'll make mention that that i feel like sets the black and tan association apart from most most all of them are great don't get me wrong i think the world of a lot of the people in a lot of the associations but again i'm partial to the black and tan association but you know if you come to black and tan days and i know you came this year for your first time to black and tan days it really and truly is a family atmosphere it really is at black and tan days there's you don't see you don't see a lot of animosity much between people you see mainly people that are genuinely glad to see each other um Usually, if you walk around, you walk around very much. Somebody's gonna feed you or mm-hmm. or do something nice for you. I mean, it's just a good, good group of guys. It really is. Yeah, like uh, I said, Trevor. Trevor told me he goes, "Man, you're gonna be, but you'll see more black dogs than you've ever seen in your entire life." And he wasn't kidding. Oh yeah, and loaded and with he them. He told me he's like, it, you know, it's a big turnout. It's a big family atmosphere. He goes, "This is a really well good association." You know, Trevor's kind of partial too. Oh yeah, he, he likes black dogs he's a black too. Dog yeah, man. he likes black dogs too. So I knew I liked him for some reason. But <laughs> but you know, it's Conkey's Outdoors is proud to be a sponsor of Tree Talking Time. Family, hunting, tradition is the Conkey's motto. They understand the importance of passing down the tradition of hound hunting. 
They are a family-owned business that treats you like family. They also understand the importance of having the gear you need when you need it. Conkeys carries everything for your next hunt, and it ships to your door quick. They also offer great warranties on all tracking systems and financing options. Check them out at conkeys.com. You can also use the code TREETALKINGTIME5 in all caps to save as well. It's just so, you know, like me. Well, for instance, when I pick up hunt results, if I see a black and tan dog that placed well or did well, I mean, there's a lot of times I just pick up the phone, call somebody, congratulate them, you know. Mm-hmm. Glad to see you did well, you know, because, man alive, it's just, it's just so, well, for instance, this year, you know, I got the biggest honor that I think I've ever received, that I know I've ever received, was being inducted into the Black and Tan Lifetime member. Okay. Which is basically the Black and Tan Hall of Fame, you yeah. might say, but we call it a lifetime member. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when your friends recognize you and appreciate what you've done for them, and, and ours is a little different because we don't, it doesn't matter if you've had the biggest stud dog ever in the history mm-hmm. of it. It's all supposed to be based on what you have done to help the Black and Tan Association and the breed move forward. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily whether you've, your stud dog put more puppies on the ground or you won more hunts than anybody or whatever. It's all based on um, on just how you did, you know, with with the association. Yep. And uh, and it's, what an honor. What an honor. I couldn't. I, I almost couldn't believe it when they said my name, and I, I tried to get up there and say a little speech, and I think I did okay. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was quite interesting to yeah. say the least, quite interesting. And you know, next year you coming to Black and Tan Days next year? I don't know. Well, Black and Tan Days next year will be back yep. in Flora, Illinois, which Flora is kind of the. Uh, unheralded home of black and tan days yeah there was quite a few people that were not too happy that it was in ohio this year well you know and i didn't have a problem with ohio i don't have a problem with it being anywhere i'm going to black and tan days i don't care where it's at i'm going and um you know i thought ohio was good i thought the ground i thought the grounds were good i thought the hunting was good a lot of people it was just it wasn't quote unquote at home well, that's right. And we, we've been in Florida for, golly bum, I'm going to say out of the last 20 years, we've probably been there 16 of them or yeah. 15 or 16 of them. And um, I like Florida. Florida's a great place to have events. I mean, they host all kind of things oh, all do. year. And um, But, you know, the it's been all kind of places. We went to uh, – Wauseon, Ohio, a few years ago. It's been to uh, Cuba. It's been to, uh, oh, God, it's been to several other mm-hmm. places around. And generally what we've seen is when we move, we, we fall off a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I've been around these events all my life, and you'll find that when you move any event, you fall off a little bit. Well, heck, if you fall off, then I – can't wait to see what Florida does because, like I said, I've never really paid attention. Then I went this year. Every well, night you had we we about had a hundred dogs and we night. had more than that. Well, we had uh, 
Including youth, you're, I think you're right. There was over 100 every night. Every night. And one night it was like 140, 50 or something. Yeah. But, I mean, this hasn't been that long ago when we would hunt 250. Oh, wow. Yeah. It hasn't been really been that long ago. And, and um, I think that you will see a bigger hunt. A little bit bigger hunt in Florida mm-hmm. than what we what we had in Ohio, but Ohio was a success. Yeah, we did really well there. Um, the uh, association did well there. Uh, we trying to have you know a more of a membership push. Uh, I personally have tried to make sure that I push memberships a little more. And again, that's something that Chad and I are really gonna push with this podcast is to support the black yeah. and tan association definitely and um so that's been you know that's been good things for us and but yes yeah, it's, it's hard to put we routinely there would put over 500 dogs in the woods and you know in wow. three nights and and that's we haven't quite done that mm-hmm. the last last few years we've been not too far from that but not quite done that, so I'm anxious to see. And the one thing about Florida that that I saw several years ago, I mentioned Philip before, but I tell you what Philip did. He took a map of the United States. Mm-hmm. This has been several years back, and he went through the membership roll, and every single person on the membership roll, he put a dot mm-hmm. on that map to to differentiate where they were, and if you Look at that map, and he probably still has it somewhere. The southern Illinois, northern Kentucky area, southern Indiana area, all those areas are the center of our membership, almost exactly. Which would make sense why Florida does so well then. Absolutely. I think that is the the key to why generally when you go there it's it's almost always super successful yep um you know i recall i was talking to alan here yesterday here at autumn oaks and alan said he had 39 vendors mm-hmm. here this year and i can recall one black and tan days particular that we had 27 wow black and tan days that's that's a lot of vendors. i mean that's significant yeah that's significant 27 yeah. and to be very honest with you we had too many Mm-hmm. And the very next year, we actually um, cut it down to 18. Okay. Said so, that, you know, we couldn't support that many vendors. Yeah. So we cut it to 18, which it worked out very, very well for us. Good. Yeah. We've made it this far in, and I still had not even have you introduce yourself. If people haven't figured out. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's I'm right. sorry, Ben. No. But I'm Ray Conrad. You yep. know, I own Bright Eyes. And, yep. uh, been I've been trying to get you on for a while. Been hunting all my life. Uh <laughs> You know, hunted again. I'm a three generation hunter. Grew up hunting. That's all I know. Other kids were out rambling and getting into stuff, and me and my dad, we were in the woods yeah. all the time. That's know? awesome. So yeah, that's me. Well, I need a good story from your youth then. If you've been at this that long, I'm sure you got a good story. Oh from man, when you were a kid. I I got all kind of good stories. We, uh, we need we need one or two. I know a uh, uh, one particular time we had this dog. <sighs> And he would just leave the country. You know, he was one of these <laughs> dogs that would just leave the country. Like chasing a deer leaving the country? No, or he hunting? would just leave the country okay. hunting. He would just go. Well, and we had big plots of land back then. We don't oh, have yeah. that anymore. But 
Anyway, this dog, me and this guy named J.O. Farmer, and my dad were hunting, and my dad had gotten a little older. You know, he didn't go to the trees all mm-hmm. the time. And it was about 15 or 16 degrees. Ooh. We were out hunting, and this dog, his name was Rock. He treed across Fishing Creek. And Fishing Creek, you know, it's different, different parts of the country. But if Fishing Creek was here, they'd call it a river. Okay. But Fishing Creek really was probably, I don't know, maybe 80 to 100 foot wide, you know, and in its in its bad places it might be over your head and mm-hmm. but there was no places you could wait it in boots i mean you know it was deeper you were than that. <laughs> yeah and uh anyway he was treed across there and we done walked about a mile and a half in the woods to him you know he's crossed there and we look for a log to try to you know coon cross there some kind of way and we couldn't get any way to get over there so me and joe just decided we was gonna get naked <laughs> And wade the creek over there and get the dog. So we did. We waded the creek over there and get the dog. And we come back and fool J.O. messed around and knocked his britches into the creek. And the creek, the, the britches go floating down the creek. So all he's got is his skivvies to put back on. And it's, I mean, it's 15 or 16 degrees. Yeah. And we had to, we had to, we walked out of there with him and his skivvies. <laughs> And uh, and us all the way out. It was, I'm telling you. Talk about some shrinkage. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man. It was cold. It, and Joe was a man. Jay, I watched Joe Farmer one time grab a swing set. He had big old arms, big barrel-chested man. I watched him grab a swing set with his right arm one time and do 16 one-handed pull-ups. There you go. What a man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was strong as a bull. Didn't curse. Didn't drink. But man alive, you didn't want to get in no ruckus with him. He was tough. No, he was tough. But yeah, that's that's one good story. And my my dad had a friend who happened to be J.O. Now this is some funny stuff here. Happened to be J.O.'s older brother, and his name was Bill. I think there was nine kids in the farmer family, and Bill was the oldest. And he and his wife lived down on Tinker's Creek, and they had a house down there that still had a dirt floor in it. You know, they they didn't have no running water. Mm-hmm. They bathed in the creek. I mean, and this is in the 70s. Wow. You know, <laughs> this is in the 70s. Well, <laughs> we pulled up down there one time, and we sitting in the car. I guess I was probably about 12 or 14. We're sitting in the car in the truck, and Lillian was his wife's name. She comes running out of the house, and we can hear a 22 go off in the house. Kapow! She comes running out. She tells my dad, she said, Ray, you got to help me. You got to help me. He said, Bill's drunk in the bed. And every time I go by the bedroom door, he shoots at me. <laughs> so dad had to go in there and take the rifle away from Bill drunk in the bed. I mean, it, it's just crazy. Some of the stuff <laughs> went on down there. We pulled up one time and this guy. They had a daughter. Her name was Donna. She was a very, I thought she was a very pretty girl, mm-hmm. you know, and seemed to be a very nice person. But she had this boyfriend, and she was young. She was a young teenage girl. But she had a boyfriend, and my dad named him Clawhammer. <laughs> and the reason he named him Clawhammer, because his nostrils of his nose was so big 
They, my dad said you could stick 50 cent pieces up each nostril, you know. <laughs> said, he could, said he could pull nails with his nose. Dad named him Clawhammer. But Bill and them had these big trees, big cedar trees around the old house place there. And you know when you was a kid how you would climb trees and you grab the top of a little skinny tree and ride it down to mm -hmm. the ground or whatever? Well, Clawhammer had climbed one of these big cedars that was probably 50 years old, you know, yeah. and he climbed way up to the top where it was down about a little bigger than your thumb at the top. And he had it in his mind that he was going to jump out of that cedar tree and ride that cedar to the ground. And this was a tall cedar tree, probably, I don't know, 35 feet, 40 mm -hmm. feet. He jumped out of that thing, and that twig snapped off in his hand just about six inches below where he had a hold of it. He fell. We had to call the ambulance to come and get him. I mean, it's it, it just some stuff. It unreal, unreal the stuff that happened back in the day. Yeah. But anyway. Well, we're, it's pretty early in Autumn Oaks, and I don't want to hold you up, but I appreciate it. Well, I you. appreciate it. I enjoyed coming, and I know we've been trying to get together for nearly <laughs> a year, and I was glad to get together with you and yeah. and get this done and over with. We're going to go over here and see if we can't pedal a few of these old lights oh, I know. along here. And I will probably, we've sold out up here the last few years. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that's, that's what will happen again, I yep. expect. So it's a good thing. A lot of good people in the hunting world. I mean, just really and truly, it's just one big family as a whole. If, oh, yeah. if you get right down to it, yep. you know, there's a lot of people that, that come up and talk to me, you know, and, and some of them I remember their names. A lot of them I don't remember their names. Oh, but, I know. I'm sure it's hard. But they uh, they come see me every year, and I just think the world of them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a lot of good people. I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on. Yep, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. Yes, sir. You have Thank a you. good one. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber. <laughs>